welcome to the Church Safety Guys broadcast with hosts James McGarvey, Paul Buckner, and Mike Scully. Together, they make up the Church Safety Guys. Their mission? To inspire, influence, and impact church safety teams. Join us for the next hour as we talk about all things church safety and security. Don't forget to like our Facebook page, join one of our church safety and security communities online, and share this broadcast with your church. Well, hello and welcome to the Church Safety and Security broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. I am one of the hosts, James, and I am joined by my fellow co-hosts, Mike and Paul. How are you guys doing? Greetings. Good, sir. How are you guys? It's been an interesting day. <laughs> yes, you're coming to us from a location that we wouldn't normally see you, so that's kind of fun. <laughs> At first, I thought that you had some kind of a Zoom-type background, and I was looking and I went... No, that's a little too good. It, you know, it's actually, it, it's it's funny. I got kicked out of my office tonight because I've got family visiting from out of town and uh, they didn't want to put up with me doing the broadcast. <laughs> and so I went to, um, I went to my church and I was going to use the safety office. And then uh, the choir is doing a three hour practice run today, which where they practice is right next to my, my office and uh, I figured that the folks at home probably wouldn't uh, wouldn't appreciate hearing background music of when we all get to heaven. I don't know. Maybe they would. <laughs> we didn't want to add another S to our uh, title for church safety, security, and singing. <laughs> well, you know, half of our, our safety team is in the choir, so maybe. <laughs> there you go. I actually know a church that that's their biggest problem. That's one of their biggest difficulties is most of their heavy hitters are in their band. And so that's one of the struggles that they have. <laughs> he's, he's here all week, ladies and gentlemen. He's really? here all week. So I say that so, as a pun, but literally most people in their church that carry concealed are in the church band. And and I'm like, well, that has its well, moment, doesn't it? Guitar yeah. cases make it for a uh, great concealment system. <laughs> they just have a real guitar in there, too. <laughs> you guys are ridiculous. So you get to see the... Uh, this is actually, I think it's the the background. This is the background in our kids area, but you get to, to take an inside look. And it's actually the Ohio uh, Buckeyes Stadium, the outside of it, up on the wall. We have it, have it decaled all the way around. I do think there is the Columbus Zoo on here somewhere. But um, so, yeah, this is the kids area. Seems fitting. This is the <laughs> 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 So if you're joining us on YouTube or a, a, a podcast platform, welcome. Uh, feel free to click the like and subscribe, and that way you'll be uh, notified of future updates. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move along because the the jokes here are are just getting worse by the second. So the big big thing I want to mention is um, October second. We're doing the Church Security Essentials Conference. And uh, you can get more details about that on, on our website. If you haven't signed up and haven't bought a ticket yet for that, uh, you need to do so. Don't walk, run, because we are going through those and uh, we are running, running out of them. So you want to make sure I've, I've actually spoken to quite a few local churches that are interested in bringing their teams in in the last couple of days. So um, those as we get closer, obviously, those tickets are going to 
are going to go quickly. And, um, and so the good part is we're trying to keep it a little bit more intimate too. Then, then I know there's sometimes, uh, for those that haven't seen that we're, we're, we want it to actually be an environment where we get a chance to meet folks, where we get a chance to have conversations, not run, run, run from session to session without, sure. uh, with quick breaks and all sorts of things going on and too many people there to truly possibly connect. So, um, that's important, but we, we, we will sell out, I think. Um, and so I'd, I'd buy your tickets quickly. Yep. And we will have famous people like John Lee O'Reilly there and, uh, you know, our, our national national speaker, the escalator extraordinaire. I know he's watching, which is why I'm. <laughs> well, I saw the live video yesterday with, with a good yeah. uh, good set of uh, coverage there for for one of his exercises and church yeah. that he was helping out. There's a lot of good stuff there. So James and I were actually discussing tickets and getting me up there. And my plan as of right now is to attend the conference barring, you know, apocalypse. So I'm pretty stoked about it. And I've had to delay my time uh, in the academy. I'm recovering from COVID. There's no way I can run and do all these things. And it's still up in the air whether they're going to actually hold the class because their day class, I guess, filled up, but their night class was up in the air. So my my wise lovely uh bride who's a nurse was like babe your lungs can't handle it you can't start in a week or whatever and and do that so i'm actually really excited it lets me go on a family vacation uh and it lets me come to this so we're going to get the ticket in order and so i don't know if that scares people away from the conference or they might actually want to attend but i do plan on being there you know I, it scares me away from the conference <laughs> So if, if y'all are watching, no, never mind. Um, no, I, you know what? It'll be one of the first, one of the, actually, well, the second time that the three of us hopefully have been together and barring any unseen events. And uh, it'll be a, it'll definitely be a good opportunity of fellowship. And like, you know, just to reemphasize what Mike said earlier, you know, we, um, we have talked to a lot of churches about bringing their teams in and, and that sort of thing. And, um, the whole point of this is to really try and fellowship and and set up uh, a one day conference where uh, you get fed mentally, spiritually, um, physically a little bit. And the idea is that, you know, we have the opportunity to meet some of you folks and fellowship with you and, Absolutely. Um, you know, really just take a break. I don't you know, I hate conferences and I've, I've been to a few and I've, I've spoken at a few and I hate conferences where it feels like, you know, like, like Mike said earlier, you know, it's one thing after the other, you've got to run with this particular one. Um, actually Mike and Jason and I were going over the schedule, um, on Friday and we've intentionally designed breaks for networking and, and, you know, pauses where, excuse me, not only can you meet folks, but, you know, we're, we're going to be around. I'm not sure that you'd really want to meet us, but, you know, all of the speakers are there <laughs> and, you know, we have, um, uh, John, John Riley with general responses coming down, uh, Dr. Brian Patterson, uh, he works for Columbus state, um, as a psychologist, he's coming to talk about mental health and he wrote a book that we have on our website. Um, in regards to energizing 
men and, and basically helping men refocus with a biblical warrior attitude. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I, I talked to him and um, I said, you know, I really want to energize people. I want you to be able to, to get enthusiastic and energetic with, you know, with part of your session just to, because I know, I mean, we all know how tired you know, ministry can get sometimes with doing everything and we're always running and we're always, so I, I just want it to be a day of rest and relaxation with, you know, some, some approachable, great folks. And, um, you know, it'll be, it'll be a fun time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Always. Do we, do we have any of the, I, I thought we had a few left of the VIP um, tickets yes. or are those gone? Okay. Yeah, no, we still have a few, but I'll, I, I will tell Almost you, I spoke to, yeah, I, th those are going the fastest because it's an early entry. Um, you actually get a, a CSG book and then you get a challenge coin for the, um, for the event that we picked out specifically for the event to encourage you. And you get a chance to um, have kind of a, a few minutes to chat with us and all of the speakers before we go into the conference. Nice. And, so, and get their own seat first. So yep. if you have a preference to sit in a certain spot, we know Mr. Buckner does. Um, but if you do, that, that <laughs> so, early. <laughs> so I just thought of this. Here's a safety conference for you, right? You walk in the conference and everybody's got their back to a wall. <laughs> <laughs> So how do I handle this when I set out? Because somebody, one of the pastors asked me how I was going to set up the room. And I'm like, how do you set up a room of security safety people? Theater in the round. <laughs> a round table. And there's like mirrors on walls where we can be checking everything at the same time. Oh my God. The round tables on turntables. So they slowly turn. So everybody gets the best seat. Everybody brings oh, it, sees it down, and you know faces them anyway. So if you're, yeah, if you're part of that, so from seven forty-five to eight fifteen is the is the meet and greet. You get a chance to to hang with us for a little bit, and then um, at that point, from eight fifteen to eight thirty, you get to pick your seat uh, in the um, in our fellowship hall, and uh, and then after that, at eight thirty forward is the general admission, and we we start everything at nine. So. Um, definitely, you know, don't, like we've said, don't hesitate, grab your ticket, um, share, you know, share the, the website link with, uh, with your team. And, um, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of folks that we've been talking to that are interested in, and the tickets are going quickly. So you don't want to, you don't want to miss that. Plus you can get, um, you know, if, if Paul comes, you can get his signature on stuff too. So he'll sign, he'll sign books for you. <laughs> right. Hey, I didn't write this, but sure. <laughs> well, I mean, you helped, you've helped with war, right? I mean, you help with war ready. You can sign that one. Maybe. I throw in suggestions and, and, you know, like spoiled fruit. So. <clears throat> so should we probably bring our guest in now? <laughs> Okay, so we all know that coming back from being sick, that Paul hasn't lost his ironic and weird sense of humor. No. No. So anyhow, uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and bring our guest in. So our guest tonight is uh, Dr. Brady Stevens with Centurion College, and uh, he has, over the last few few weeks, has become a, a good friend of mine 
and uh, he does a lot with church safety. So I wanted to take the time to bring him in. So thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us. And uh, thank you for taking the time to, to hang out with our craziness this evening. <laughs> it's my privilege. Thank you for having me. So I know, I know a lot about your background. You've been in law enforcement and you're in ministry. And um, I think you're probably one of the few people that has almost as much stuff on his plate as I do <laughs> in a regular, on a regular basis. And uh, so I just want you to, I want to give you the opportunity for our listeners sake, if you could just kind of tell your background and walk us through, you know, how you went from being a, uh, a police officer to a pastor and we can kind of go from there. <laughs> there are a lot of former police officers <clears throat> that are in the ministry. You would be surprised at how many of us there are out there. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, former pastors that have gone into police work as well, but uh, probably more the other direction. Uh, my my start in police work came very early. I was 18 when I started as a deputy sheriff in Wood County, West Virginia. And uh, I believe, uh, at least in modern history, I was the first 18-year-old hired. Before that, the law required you to be 21. And, and uh, there may have been some time in, you know, way back when that uh, that wasn't the case. But at, at least in modern history, I was the first 18 year old hired and I worked there for a period of time, uh, five years or so. And I finished my, uh, my full-time law enforcement, uh, uh, service in, uh, on the Parkersburg police department, um, uh, uh, with a total of 13 years in both. Um, it, the, the thing that, that got me interested in this to begin with was, uh, when I was 16, I joined the local fire department that had just organized uh, a volunteer fire department, Waverly Volunteer Fire Department in West Virginia, and uh, found that this uh, this whole adrenaline rush thing was uh, it, it got a hold of me at age 16. And if there were lights and sirens to be around, <laughs> I definitely wanted to be there. And uh, so so I I was. I didn't really care what color the lights were or where we were going. If it was, you know, if it was something that was going to give me an adrenaline rush and I wanted to go, but at, uh, at 18, I, I was able to, uh, to get on the sheriff's department and, um, and I found that, uh, it was something I really enjoyed, uh, for, for a while. And then after a while, I didn't enjoy it very much, but, uh, uh, but now, all these years later, I sure wish I was young enough to do it again. Um, I would love to do it again. I uh, Even after I left uh, full-time law enforcement and never left it very far, I, I uh, served as chaplain for different departments. I left to go into the ministry when I was 31. Uh, I had already started pastoring uh, a small church part-time uh, while I was still a Parkersburg officer. And... Um, uh, we moved to North Carolina and took a church down in uh, Denver, North Carolina, which is about 30 miles north of Charlotte and uh, near Lake Norman, great fishing. So uh, why I ever left there is, well, it was a big mistake. <laughs> but uh, uh, but the uh, I was a chaplain while I was there for Newton Police Department in Newton, North Carolina. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, later served as a chaplain in Wilmington, North Carolina, when I was a uh, when I was a pastor there. Did a little bit of teaching there. Uh, wrote a booklet, "Wearing the Badge Without It Wearing You Down," that ministered to police officers. And uh, later, when we moved back to my home community here in Parkersburg, I worked as uh, I worked in uh, the Division of Corrections for five years, four years of it, uh, being uh, uh, doing doing inmate disciplinary hearings, uh, sort of like uh, sort of like the judge in the prison if they get wrote up, you know, and you. Hear the evidence, make a determination of guilt or innocence, a sentence to whatever uh, appropriate sentence you believe to be the case. And uh, also worked for three years as a court bailiff part time with the Wood County Sheriff's Department, taught criminal justice at the uh, Ohio Valley University as an adjunct for three semesters, taught, uh, taught uh, inmate discipline and ethics at the uh, the uh, Corrections Academy in uh, here in West Virginia. Uh, one time, had one chance to teach at uh, the West Virginia State Police Academy, where uh, we had all gone for our, our basic training. Um, had a chance to teach a history class there one time, and uh, uh, that was about four years ago, something like that. And the uh, staff member that uh, arranged for me to come and do that transferred away from the academy so if anybody's got any clout that can get me back there to teach that history class again i would love to do it i had a ball doing it but uh but anyway um that uh that kind of uh that kind of covers my uh my law enforcement experiences and history and so on i had the privilege of growing up in a christian home and uh got saved when i was 14 and uh so my entire career, uh, it was it was all about Christ first, and um, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the chance to grow up in a Christian home, and I'm even more thankful. I think that uh, I'm 64 years old, and I had both parents until this year. Uh, just lost my mother this year, and to to have such great parents and to have them this long is just an amazing privilege. Um, my dad, we still have my dad and, and, uh, in good health. And, um, so, um, that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, uh, and I, I think when I say that's in a nutshell, uh, that's probably where Paul comes in with something that, you know, something about being a not in a nutshell or something. I just want to give that opening if I could give him that opportunity. Sorry, I'm not quite a hundred percent on my game. Okay. <laughs> I, really, I really think it's cool because you, you came about to a chaplaincy and then into ministry and it's so hard to, uh, find faith, uh, with, with a badge. I, I chaplain and I, I've done it for about 10 years. And I, I talked to a department the other day that two of their officers dealt with a, <clears throat> they dealt with the death of a woman during a wreck. And after they had handed the body off to the coroner, uh, they got a call and the report doubled because unfortunately there was no way for them to know she was pregnant. And these are things that the average person just doesn't know happens. So it's really hard to keep a heart of ministry around, around firefighting um, with a badge. And then not only to come, I mean, you were fortunate to grow up with it. So obviously there's that, but to maintain that through that situation, so many people, their schedules and life and stress and not knowing how to deal with things. 
and then not only did you have that heart, but you you turned to a chaplaincy, which James has that experience, and my, and uh, myself, and then you know Mike has got a ministry where he's it's he's kind of tied to a police department, but I think he's going to do some ministry around that, and then to actually go to the pulpit, it's just it's really cool to me to see your journey. It, uh, it you know, and it didn't seem like a an unnatural journey either. I, I was talking to a friend of mine that has. In fact, I've known him since I was really young. Uh, his dad was my pastor when I was, I don't know, seven or eight years old. Uh, he's about nine years older than I am. And uh, he was he had a career as a trooper, state trooper in West Virginia. And then uh, after actually, while he was still a trooper, he began pastoring churches and he and he retired from the state police and pastored full time. And he's now he's retired from that, too. And when he hears somebody express surprise at, uh, um, at, at that transition, it surprises him because um, if, if, you're, if you're someone who's done that, it seems like a very natural transition. It, it seems like the same things that motivated you to become a police officer. If, if, if you were a Christian and, and the, the service of the Lord was, um, was the primary thing in your life and that led you into police work, then it doesn't seem at all unnatural that it would just lead you to another, uh, another avenue of service. And I know a lot of, of uh, former, both, both retired and just simply um, separated law enforcement officers that went into the ministry. One of my closest friends is a retired Indiana State Trooper and he pastors a church while he was a trooper. He did a lot of evangelistic work, uh, uh, crusade type things. Um, there are a lot of us that do that. And it's not such a drastic transition, really. If you have a heart for people, you have a heart for souls. It's just another way of service. For sure. And I think it's interesting. And it's funny now that now that you said that, Paul, just the interesting piece that all four of us actually, and that's pretty unique, all four of us have kind of gone through that from the extent of, you know, we've either, either helped with law enforcement, we've worked with law enforcement, you know, we were chaplaining. I mean, I was, I was a de disaster chaplain with the Red Cross for Long time. Uh, probably about five years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's natural like you said, Brady, I, I agree with you. I think it's natural that people that are of the mindset that you want to help somebody, maybe that's what kind of pushes them toward church safety, right? Because mm -hmm. in a sense, you know, you're you're also trying to stand in the gap and and trying to help people and be um, be on the go and and as helpful as as possible. So, I mean, we've we've found a lot of, and, and I know, I'm sure there's plenty of listeners that would agree, but we've, over the years, we've found a lot of folks that have either public safety experience or, you know, uh, military experience gravitate towards, um, towards church safety, just because they, you know, they like helping people and they, they want to serve in that capacity. So, you know, I think sheepdogs are going to sheepdog. It's, amazing to me i started referring to the law and uh, law enforcement firefighter mt paramedic group as my tribe 
and I, I meet people and the stories are similar and the hearts are similar and there, there's varying degrees of personalities and all kinds of things, but uh, the sheepdog tribe are the people that run towards the danger, uh, not away from it. And uh, I have a I have a friend that he's like, uh, he's like, I don't do that. He said, when there's a problem, I run away and I run away quite happily. And some of us are wired to go the other way. And I love I love that tribe. And uh, I joke that I know some of the nicest, most dangerous men you would ever know. <laughs> and it's I and I tend to collect them as friends. The I, I love that ministry and I, I love seeing. I love seeing church safety, and it, that's, I think, a great segue as we go, perhaps. Um, I love seeing church safety um, really coming into its own and the sheepdog tribe really being to, able to establish itself as a ministry element that's there to protect the flock. So how's that for a, how's that for a segue over to weather from the news desk? <laughs> Mike, did you did you want to add something before we go to break? No, I think it's a great it's a great transition there, Paul. And and I think you're right. It's it's one of those things where you try to look at who is equipped and what do you have to try to equip your team correctly. And and sometimes that brings those folks with military or law enforcement background. And honestly, it's not just the tactics or what they're it's it's a mindset that they have. It's that they've already turned on that protector mindset. They've already gone through and rehearsed in their mind the idea of running toward the fire, uh, of actually looking at that, it's harder to teach that. It's harder to acclimate somebody who perhaps has joined a team, a ministry from church, and try to bring them through those. We can teach them tactics all day long. We can teach procedure all day long. We can send them to the range. We can send them to CPR training. We can go to first aid. But it's harder to get them to cross that threshold. And you can see it. I mean, we all know, we know when it happened for us is a switch gets thrown. And all of a sudden we go from that point in our life to that other point in our life. And that that switch is thrown in our brain. And it's now, you can't go back. You can't turn it off at that point. It's now been permanently thrown and you've broken that glass and you're on the other side. And so the I think that's the big difference is looking at how you can um, reap the benefit of those that bring those procedure and tactics and law enforcement and military background into a ministry environment, which again, that's an interesting uh, casserole, if you will. It's ingredients that you, when you're trying to bring together a church, a ministry, a military and law enforcement and really hardened response into a soft or gentle response, pun intended, okay, that, that is a hard mix sometimes. And, and making that work, making that casserole or really meld and stew together so that it ends up with a good output and a good taste, if you will, a good flavor, that's not easy. And that's and that's what we no. talk about really every week. It's it's not. And I'm going to jump in there because there's there's a gold nugget, I think, to unpack. Um, and that's that, you know, you touched on something that honestly I haven't thought of. I've written about it, but I haven't thought about it. And that's that it's far easier, um, you know, and, and there, may, there may be some folks that disagree with me or, or argue the point, and that's fine. But to me, it almost seems like, I'll preface it this way, it's, it's far easier to take someone that has no experience but a gentle heart and a gracious attitude and train them tactically and go the other direction than it is 
you know, the reverse of what you just said to take someone that has been hardened to an extent by military or, or law enforcement. And that's, I mean, that's a challenge. And I don't say that, I mean, I work with, with both daily. I don't say that to discredit anyone, but I, I do think to an extent over time, um, I mean, I've, I've worked with law enforcement, I've worn a uniform, you know, I've, I'm, you know, I've done what, you know, Mike, what you're doing now and what Paul's done in the past. So in small community, et cetera. And I think I can see easily how sometimes it would be, it would be easy for folks to kind of lose that, that ministry focus of, okay, here's a, here's a disruptor in the church. I'm going to grab him and I'm going to throw him out. That's because I need to be rough because, you know, that's, that's what the point is and not. That's it or arrest it. That's a, that's a common conversation I have because that's that world. And uh, I love it when I have conversations with police officers like, and this is back to your world, Brady. I had a conversation with a police officer recently. He got super excited. He goes, Paul, I actually got to help somebody. And I said, really? And he said, and he doesn't mean I help someone on the side of the road or out of a bad situation or away from a domestic they're going to go right back into. He's like, I literally got to help somebody that was, uh, their kids had moved out. They kind of made their kids like a little, a little God in their life. That woman went into an emotional tailspin and she had to go uh, be involuntarily committed to the psych ward. And he was taking her up there. And instead of just being like, get in, sit down, shut up, let's go, which happens, you know, you can get burned out or not care. Uh, as they were driving up there, he started to speak some life into her. I call it verbal CPR. Obviously, he's a Christian. So as a believer, she's talking to him, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And he's like, you know, maybe God, maybe God's going to use this, and you're going to get to help other people. But she's her a couple of weeks later. She runs up to him, and I'm going to hit this 100 miles an hour because we're, we're headed into break. But she runs up to him, and she's like, if it wasn't for COVID, I'd hug you. And he's like, why? What's going on? What, what happened? And she tells him that in the psych ward, the psych nurse is mistreating her. Like, like being very cruel and speaking down to her and treating her like garbage. And finally, she turns to this woman and goes, why are you like this? And the woman broke down and cried. Now, here is a psych ward patient talking to a psych ward nurse and talking about God. This woman had lost her way. She found her way in a psych ward and was ministering before she got out of the psych ward. Only God can do that. And he and it gives me goosebumps. And he's like, I got to help somebody long term today or the other day so anyway yeah for sure mike you're on mute to tie it back really quick as we go to break i think is in and we'll talk more about this after the break is the educational piece of this is that that to make that stew work to make that team work is about equipping and training them properly and there's multiple ways to do that but we'll go to break and we'll come back and talk a bit more about that Yep. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. With over 50 years of experience with religious and nonprofit organizations, Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates understands that your congregation is different from a traditional business. We're here to fulfill your needs, coming to you while creating a personal plan for your budget and size. From your local community to around the globe, we are advocates for you. Thomas Alexander Insurance and Associates, your partner in service. The worst has happened. Evil has invaded the sanctuary. Lives were ended, and the life of every surviving member of your church has changed forever. There will be funerals to attend, the grieving, 
and the counseling will go on for years to come. You may even lose church members, especially if your pastor was killed during the attack. But what if I told you that all of this could have been prevented with the proper training? That your church could learn how to secure its campus and how to see the signs of an attack before it happens. At Shield Force International, we will teach you the skills you need to protect your church, to protect your children, to mitigate and even eliminate would-be threats to your church body all before it happens. We can no longer pretend that evil doesn't exist or that churches aren't targets. Attacks against churches and pastors are on the rise. Call or visit us online for a free consultation. the Church Safety Guys broadcast. is a nonprofit organization dedicated to help inspire, influence, and impact church safety and security teams. We are about all things church safety and security, which starts with a ministry mindset and a servant's heart. We're protectors, guardians, ambassadors, and shepherds. We help church and place of worship safety and security teams all over the United States through our broadcasts, online communities, conferences, trainings, resources, and products. Help us reach more churches in impactful ways by considering becoming a monthly ministry partner. $2, $5, $20 a month will help us continue to provide these resources. All right, welcome back to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Uh, if you've just joined us on YouTube or another platform, uh, podcast platform later uh, on, in the bottom right-hand uh, corner, you'll see a, a subscribe button. Go ahead and click that, and uh, then you'll be notified of up-and-coming uh, broadcast events, et cetera, that we post. And you can always visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com. Uh, so our guest tonight is uh, Dr. Brady Stevens. He's with Centurion 
uh, college. And uh, we're just talking to him about church safety and we've kind of kind of turned into the education piece of it. But I, I want to go back. Um, something kind of stuck out with with what was said uh, earlier that happened today. And um, we had a gentleman come in and uh, he was a he was a pretty uh, wily guy, uh, real thin, um, had, a, had a ball cap on. Uh, just looked kind of odd. It, it uh, apparently we've been trying to focus on key individuals through our service as um, we're we're trying to educate them on awareness and, and make folks more aware. And so I talked to the gentleman. He came in and uh, he grabbed a seat, and my phone started blowing up. Well, apparently he had walked into our sanctuary and he had um, sat down in like two two aisles like the second aisle from the back of the sanctuary and then before the music was done he jumped up and he starts jogging towards the uh the stage and where the pastors are and uh, our senior pastor was out uh today with his family um, because he's dealing with some health issues and uh so he jogs and he goes all the way down to like two two rows before the stage and plops down and so my phone, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in, in the back and my phone starts blowing up and everybody's like, hey, have you seen this guy? What's what's going on? What's he doing? So he sat there. Well, <clears throat> when the invitation was given towards the end of the service, um, I went around and I came in from the side um, because I saw him from a side door because I saw him jump up and he bolts towards the stage to talk to the pastor. And when I say bolt, I mean, this guy is quick. <laughs> he was like there. So I walked through that side door and I cut across across the seats and I went to grab him basically. And he didn't, I don't think he even noticed me behind him, but the pastor was standing to the left of him. He was here and I scooted up behind him and basically was ready to, to arm bar him and move him out because I didn't understand what he was doing or what was going on. So I'm trying to do all of that. And I've got guys responding and uh, I hear, you know, one of my, of course, it's during one of my favorite worship songs by a worship leader that I really like. So I'm like trying to sing and be incognito while I'm getting ready to try and pull this guy out of the service with three other safety team members being indiscreet around <laughs> discreet around me. So I kind of lean forward. This guy leaves the room and I kind of lean forward to the pastor who was, was the one that had been preaching and he kind of glanced over his shoulder and I, I kind of looked at him and kind of tipped my head and he just kind of nodded like, you know, we're good here. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. So I follow the guy. I find out later that he had been in the senior pastor's youth youth group years ago. And he's from, from Missouri. His parents live in Columbus. So he came up. Uh, I think his dad passed away and he was coming to the funeral. But he stopped in to see the senior pastor. And where I'm getting with all of this was when he was here as a, as a youth, um, as a you know, going through the youth ministry. And I know it had to be close to 15, 15 to 20 years ago. Um, there was like, we had no safety. We had no policies, no procedures. 
you know, you could do whatever you want. And I kind of watched this guy and it was interesting to me because he had that mentality. Like he walked into our kids area without stopping, not, I mean, he's single, he doesn't have any, anybody with him. And he walks into the kids area and he's like, Oh wow, you guys have really changed it. So it wasn't like he was intentionally bad, but he was disregarding, you know, how we have things. We, you know, we, we have a very secure kids area. We, we pay attention to that stuff. And what was interesting to me was everyone around me's response. And, you know, we have harped on education. We've, we've pushed it for a long time to say, you know, be aware, be focused on what's going around on around you and, uh, and that sort of thing. And it was interesting to me because the checks and balances that we had in place, people reacted and responded to that. And, um, you know, I had a few people say, well, why didn't you just let the guy look? I mean, he's just, he's going down memory lane and he's just trying to do his thing. And um, I said, you know, the reality with this is that, you know, we've changed, right? In, in 15 years, we've developed policies and yeah. uh, procedures to address, um, address that sort of thing. So, it's, it's interesting to me, but from the education piece, we'll, we'll jump back into that. So, uh, Brady, what are the, what are the programs that you guys offer at Centurion and how did you go from being a pastor to running into a college? <laughs> well, I, <clears throat> I was directing uh, citywide crusades for Clyde Dupin ministries out of North Carolina. Um, 16 years before we started the college, the college we started seven years ago. And uh, I was staying at a motel up there and, and uh, each night I would usually walk around the, the motel lot and down over the hill to the, to the uh, street and back up and pray as I walked. It was uh, exercise and prayer at the same time. And it was during one of those evenings that I felt led by the Lord to start a Bible college, it was um, it was a clearer thing to me than even my call to pastor was. And you know, I spent almost thirty years as a pastor, but this call to start the Bible college was just really distinct. I I really couldn't tell you the the, the date and the place and the time that I knew I was called to be a pastor. That was more of a of a gradual thing. But I, I, although I don't know what the date was, I remember specifically the place and the, the moment that God led me to start a Bible college. I had no idea that it would be so heavily involved in church security because, you know, 16, that's 24 years ago, something like that. Um, nobody was thinking about church security very much at 24 years ago. Um, and but I had several obstacles that jumped in the way of that. And it took me I wasn't being disobedient for the next 16 years. <clears throat> it, it just took me that long to get to a place where I, the doors opened for us to start this college. And we started in 2014. But when I to, to the, as far as the, the, the security, how I got involved in that, something happened and I don't really remember what it was. It caused me to be concerned about the security of my own church, the church I was serving as a pastor. And so I had uh, um, I developed a, a, a class. It was a one hour class then for my own church on how to respond in the event of an armed attack or an armed threat. Nice. And uh, so I, uh, 
um, I, I wrote the, the outline for it. I had two other pastors in my church that were, uh, uh, they, they were at the time, I think they were in my church. They have been in my church and they've been back in the ministry and, and so on. Um, outside of the church. But anyway, two pastors who were former police officers, one was a Parkersburg police officer with me. That's, uh, currently a pastor. And, um, uh, and the other was, um, uh, a former, um, Washington DC officer and Pennsylvania state trooper. Uh, and he was my associate for four years here. And so I ran my uh, program by both of them and, and had a lot of, uh, good information from them, liked, I made changes based on that. And then I taught it to my own church and I liked it a lot. So I called a friend of mine that lives, pastors a church an, an hour up the road from us in New Martinsville. And I offered to come up or ask him to come up and, and see if I could try it out on a congregation that wasn't my own. And, and so he let me come up and teach it there. And I, I, I really liked the program. And so I made it available to all of my pastor friends and neither one of them was interested. Uh, that's another place you could jump right in there, Paul, if you're on your best game. Anyway, I, I did offer it to anybody that wanted it, and really at, nobody was interested at that point. I'm going to guess that was probably about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, maybe a little longer. Um, the, thing that, the thing that started my phone ringing uh, on this subject was, two things. One was the attack on the church at Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, that got, that got everybody's attention. It seemed. And, uh, about the same time people were seeing what ISIS was doing overseas and pastors began to think, you know, this is a concern that we need to be prepared for here. And so I started getting some, some calls there from pastors that were interested in this and from and then as as time passed and we started the Bible College, then I brought that program under that umbrella. Began to use. Uh, uh, I first started to use it just uh, as a as a method to get some exposure for the Bible College, but then it just it it became part of the program of the college. Um, the um, it's a two hour program now. Um, it is something that um, I used to offer to neighboring churches, neighborhood, you know, within a county or so. I would go there for whatever they wanted to give the college um, and didn't actually put a, a fee on it. If I had to travel, stay overnight, then I would put some kind of a minimum fee on it. And then about uh, maybe a year or so ago, a little less than that, um, well, we developed a partnership with the United States Concealed Carry Association. Um, a little more than a year ago and COVID kind of stopped everything for a while. And then uh, when it started back up, the arrangement that we had with them was such that under most circumstances, we can now offer it to churches free. Um, there are some circumstances where we can't, but in, in most cases, in the almost every case, we can offer this class to churches without cost to the church at all because of our partnership with them. Um, I never dreamed when I started into the ministry that the that there would be any interest, that there would be a need for this. I, I had no 
idea that this would be something that would be so much a part of my ministry in the future. But it is uh, a large part of the ministry of Centurion Bible College. And one of the things that we uh, that we do at the Bible College is, as a matter of policy is that we never turn anybody away because of money. And so the uh, this these this program has pretty much funded the school um, and made that possible, and at the same time, not costing now, not costing the churches anything. So it's been a win-win, you know, all the way around. Um, I, I'd like to mention something about the, the training aspect of this. It, it's a difficult thing um, to train a church in in an active shooter response because um you know at schools or at workplaces you have pretty much the same people there every day and you can also mandate that they attend these classes if you have someone come in and teach active shooter training but with a church you have a different especially with a, an active church you have a different group of people it's forever changing who's going to be there this sunday it's going to be different than the people that were there last sunday and in addition to that you can't mandate that your church attenders attend this class and so i found that if if a pastor really gets behind this and really pushes it for everything in him probably about the best we're going to do is get maybe 30 percent of the sunday morning crowd out for this class. It's just, a, it's just something that some people just are not going to come to. So you're not going to have um, a really well-educated congregation because of those difficulties. Uh, in addition to that, you can only fortify a church so much. Um, some businesses you can make very secure, schools you can make very secure, and you're, you, can, you can get by with that, and people expect a lot of that but with a church, you are, it's hard enough to get people to come to it anyway. And if they have to go through a, a really difficult security uh, 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 program to, to get to the church, and uh, it's, it's just going to be very discouraging. And so I think it's been helpful to me to have both the law enforcement background and, and the security background that, uh, that helps me understand what's needed but i also have the ministry background that helps me understand we just can't build a fortress here and uh we can't we can't do business here uh in security the way you can in in a business or in a school or someplace like that and uh, i think that that's something that uh, a lot of pastors are afraid of they're they're afraid to bring in uh, someone to teach this type of thing because they're afraid that it's going to scare their people. Uh, even the thought that we need to have training like this, they're afraid that some of that's going to scare their people. And, uh, and so sometimes the pastors uh, are just nervous about dealing with the whole program. So they, they sort of ignore it. And, uh, and sometimes, sometimes it's, it's to their peril. Uh, this morning, there were there were a couple of people shot in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, nobody was in a, in a church. Uh, nobody died there. I don't believe anybody is uh, is uh, serious is, is is deadly. You know, has a, a, a life threatening injury. But but it happens all the time now, and we only really hear about the big ones that's happening so often. 
Um, but it, it's, we have to, we can't put our head in the sand anymore. I mean, we have to, we have to be prepared to deal with this because that's the world we live in now. But we also have to recognize that a church is a different, it's a different problem to deal with security wise than, than really anything else that I can think of. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the way, honestly, the way you said that, because I, I think all three of us agree with you a hundred percent that it, it seems like, um, how do you, you know, that's, that's a question that we get a lot. Like, how do you, how do you train people? How do you be tactical and have a solid group of, of volunteers, but at the same time, not scare away the leadership that you're overthinking something or, or possibly, you know, making something bigger than it really is. You know, there's, there's a fine line, uh, fine line balance with that. That uh, that church shooting you're talking about in in Alabama today, it looks like it was actually the result of a domestic between a husband and a wife. And, you know, that's something else that we we certainly are starting to see more of in, in the church setting that we have to be prepared to address, too. So, Mike, were you going to say something? Yeah, I think uh, to your point there, James, I think it's a maturity piece. In other words, our teams have to continually educate, continually train. And just like we, I talked about earlier about balancing your team members, whether that be they're, they're coming as lay people, if you will, and, and with no security background or no military or police, but you also have to balance your team as a whole. And what does that program look like within your church? Because you have a lot of folks that frankly are not going to understand its role, okay? It's hard enough sometimes, we talk with folks all the time, uh, how they're trying to convince their pastor to have a security program or a security team at church and what that looks like. But then you also look at those that the unchurched and they, they, they see church security as a term and they think mall cop. They think uh, this sort of, and why does that go in church? Because A, they don't understand church. B, they don't understand security. So when they try to put the two together and they start hearing church security, they're going to get it wrong. So I think we have to manage perceptions as leaders of teams. And that perception is we have to manage what our perception is internally of our team, how it looks like to our pastors or oversight pastors and leadership, how it looks to other ministries. And then most importantly, how it looks to folks coming in. Brady, you mentioned it earlier. It's hard enough to get people to come in through those doors. We got to make it easy enough, but also hard enough at the same time for the wrong person to get in because we're at least observing, we're at least posting people in the right positions, and we're educating those folks so that everybody's not green and turning over all the time, because at that point, then you may as well not have a team. Because if if they're gonna let the people right through or miss it, or worse, they're gonna go put hands on on somebody when it could have been a, just a verbal conversation, you're better off without that person. Um, at that point, because sometimes having a team can be a liability as well. So I think the whole point is balance and bringing that maturity up with your team over time to understand that you're not going to go zero to 60 the minute you launch a new team. And just because you read seven books, hopefully six of them ours, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you can immediately get to that level tomorrow. And don't expect to because you're going to set yourself up for failure and expectation games. It takes educating yourself continually and a program evolution over time. 
that says this year, this is our goal. This is what we're going to try to stretch our team to do. Next year, we're going to stretch our team a little bit more. Are you going to be immediately ready? No. Is there risk there? Absolutely. But you have to bite off what you can chew uh, a bit at a time. Everything, uh, things change from state to state as far as the laws that we have to deal with, um, requirements as far as concealed carry and things like that. But one of the things that I hear often, uh, pastors and mostly pastors that I hear this from is, um, I just don't think that we want people carrying guns in our church. And uh, and first of all, uh, there are security teams that do not carry guns in the church, so that's not necessarily uh, that's that's not necessarily a prerequisite to whether you have a security team or not. But in some states, in my state of West Virginia, um, in the state of Ohio, right next door to us, in the state of Kentucky, North Carolina, uh, other places that you know. Uh, where there's, uh, you know, very, it's very easy to either get a concealed care permit or in the case of West Virginia, you don't even have to have one. Uh, the, the fact is pastors should understand there are people carrying guns in his church right now, his or her church right now. And, and so instead of, let's say, instead of ignoring this and say, I don't really want, you know, I don't really want these, you know, people carrying guns in the church makes me nervous. I'm telling you, they're carrying guns in your church. So let's deal with that and let's, let's train them and, and make, make sure that it's being done right. Make sure that it's being done by the right people. Uh, make sure that there is some control and some dealing with it rather than just pretending it's not there and having all kinds of armed people in the church that have no idea what to do in the event that there is some kind of an attack. For sure. Paul, you wanted to add something? Yeah, two, two quick things because that's this is a drum that we beat. It's a dead horse that receives vicious kicks. Um, train, 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 train. And I I, in a video many moons ago, I coined a phrase, Semper Disciplina, the, the concept of always training or always be training. And it's become part and parcel of several of our sayings. But the idea is you never reach your goal. If you if you have the right mindset, I, I think there's two things. And, and anybody that has listened to me before has heard me say this, but you never know it all. And you will never find yourself in a life or death situation where you go, gee, I wish I hadn't trained this much for this. And and that goes back to what you said about Virginia, where more and more of our states are going constitutional carry, which I'm in love with, except with great power becomes great comes great responsibility, to quote Stan Lee from Marvel Comics. But uh, you'll probably never hear that happen again. But what I mean by that is... Yes, we have this incredible right of free speech. Yes, we have this incredible right of, uh, you know, we, we don't have to put up with illegal search and seizure. Yes, we have this incredible Second Amendment, and that means we can carry a gun. But that should scare us half to death if we have a clue about what can go wrong. And we should train. Um, we should Training should be cool which if we can ever get there before the Lord returns, training is the most important thing we can do. And if we can develop a culture within our safety team ministries that trains, I'm, I'm going to do one follow and then I'm done. Um, I know a chief of police that came into a department that had a medium fitness level. He walks in the door, he's in his 40s, and the guy is buff. 
walks in the door from a professional department in a big city, takes over a smaller city's department. Within six months, everybody's got a gym membership. Within six months, people are laying off the beer. They're laying off the sugar, laying off the power drinks and crap. And, um, and that department became very fit. And it became a, he developed a standard and then he started shooting competitively some. It changed the face of that department. And I guess what I'm saying is to land that plane, the leadership that we offer, whether it's bottom-up leadership or top-down leadership within our church and within our church safety team, has an enormous impact on the culture of that team. Anyway, enough said. Yeah. I mean, you're you're spot on. So I would love to continue on, but for sake of time, we're, we're pretty much there. We're out of it. Um, so... Um, if, uh, if I will say this, if someone's interested, uh, Dr. Brady Stevens, he does actually go uh, to different churches in the area and talks to them. And uh, you're more than welcome to contact him if, uh, if you're interested in having him come out and do his presentation, which um, is really good. And it covers a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, I've watched the I've watched the video of it and I really like it. So it is a, a really worthwhile thing. Um, and maybe it's the you know, maybe it's the thing that you need to have um, have someone come in and kind of chat with your pastor about, you know, the importance of having a safety team or security team. You know, all of us, um, honestly, all of us on the broadcast have no no problems doing that. So if you are in that boat uh, and you feel like you need to reach out to somebody, please feel free to contact us. And we'd, we'd love to help you as much as we can. Um, Paul, do you want to go ahead and close us in prayer? And uh, we'll call it a night. Um, very, very quickly. One of the things that you made me think of, James, just now is many times as churches, we receive wake up calls. And uh, I have told churches because guys are really frustrated that nobody takes safety seriously. And I'm like, pray if God gives you a wake up call to gentle one. Because I've seen churches receive terrifying wake-up calls and then, bam, they start a safety team. But you got to start, Mike, somewhere and you got to get your feet wet. And then you got to get out to where you're swimming in the deep, you know, the, in the deep water. So uh, I actually know people that actively pray that nobody gets hurt, but that God give their church a wake-up call. And, you know, uh, Jason posted that thing the other day where there was kind of a wake-up call at his church. So unless there's any comments, uh, Brady, anybody, I'll close us in prayer. <clears throat> All right. Generally, Father, Lord God, I thank you for, for friendships, for new friendships, for people like Brady who've been doing this a long time. And they aren't they aren't uh, hiding the light under a bushel. They're literally taking that light uh, ministry-wise, training-wise, experience-wise, Lord God. And they're sharing it. They're sharing it back into the faith community, into the church community. I thank you for that. I thank you for tonight. I ask that you'd help it to reach the right ears. Lord God, there's amazing things coming down the line that you're doing. And I thank you for them in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So next week, uh, actually, just as a heads up, I'll uh, switch things out here real quick. And um, next week, we are actually going to be in season six. We'll be starting that up. And um, we uh, will be talking about a couple of different things coming up. But uh, just so you, you all know, we have a couple of new resources coming out and that information is on our website. So feel free to visit churchsafetyguys.com. And um, if you have any questions or we can be of any help to you, uh, feel free to reach out. 
Uh, don't forget, check out the Church Security Essentials Conference. Uh, get your ticket, reserve that spot. And um, we're getting excited about that and looking forward to, to seeing you guys. So uh, take care, have a blessed week, and we will see you next time. So take care. Have a good night. Thank you for joining the Church Safety Guys broadcast. We hope that you found it informative and we appreciate your feedback. Looking for ways you can help us reach more churches? Share our broadcast with your teams. Consider becoming a monthly ministry partner. Like and share our page and join the discussion in our Facebook groups. Visit our website at churchsafetyguys.com for other great resources. Remember to keep a servant's heart, a mindset of ministry, and semper disciplina. Always be training. Have a blessed week.